0: And if you're not a friend of the program and this is your first time on the rodeo, then let me tell you this. You need to go to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts and smash subscribe today because the OSP show
1: is back. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with $25,000
0: Hello, media consumers. Welcome to Press Box Final Edition. Brian Curtis of The Ringer here, along with producer Erica Cervantes. If you listen to Monday's show, you know that David Shoemaker and I have been thinking more and more about the 2024 presidential election, which is really the 2023 presidential election since it's happening right now. Nikki Haley in for the Republicans, Donald Trump, of course, in, Joe Biden in. We think we've got questions. And here to answer them is one of my favorite political writers. She is Tara Palmieri of Puck. She has had a career at ABC News, at Politico, at the New York Post and other places. She writes in a very insidery, confidential way about politics and also thinks about some of the bigger questions that maybe don't trickle into other publications. The timing that political candidates have when they wanna run for president. The calculation they make when they may be running for president, but also kind of running for vice president. So I had questions for Tara about Joe Biden, about Donald Trump, about Ron DeSantis, about just about everything under the sun when it comes to 2024. Here's Tara Palmieri. All right, Tara, let me first ask you about the Republicans who want to be president. You described Donald Trump's campaign in a recent piece as low energy. Why is Trump low energy?
2: Well, he hasn't really done many campaign events, and I understand why. There are a couple of reasons. Um, it costs a lot of money to hold these big rallies, so they have a long campaign since they announced in November that they were that he was running for real for re-election. So not re-election, but election, obviously. Um, so he, so they don't want to spend the money on the big rallies, which create the you know impression of momentum and all of that. There is also they're also very much aware of the fact that there's Trump fatigue and that people don't want him front and center every single day. Uh, This is something, obviously, the boss, as I've been told by people who work for him, does not really like. So it only works in dribs and drabs, but they are really trying to kind of get him out of the forefront. And it actually seems to be working because his poll numbers keep going up. Um, So there is something to it. I know he's probably the only person on Earth where you can ignore them and it can help them um, <laughs> in the polling. <laughs> but that seems to be part of it. And also, I mean, you saw the rollout. It was a ballroom in Mar-a-Lago. It was a small space. It was kind of boring. Fox News cut away. People tried to exit. It was just not the kind of boisterous, you know, even Obama-like rollout with the pillars and, the, you know, it, there, nothing felt very uh, grand about it. So for now, you know, he doesn't really have to run a campaign, though. That's the truth. Why run a campaign when you don't have any challengers yet?
0: We heard in November he was getting in early to head off one possible indictments and two other Republican challengers. Do you think getting in early did anything for him at the end of the day?
2: I think it probably helps him legally. I mean, being a presidential candidate. Is always going to be helpful in these legal challenges. Like you said, that special counsel um, in Washington looking at him for the documents and the January 6th the insurrection. Then you got Georgia, you've got New York, all of these different, you know, legal issues. And yeah, it's a lot stronger standing to say this is a witch hunt, it's a political witch hunt. So, yes, for all intents and purposes, that helps him. Um, I also think that he wants to present. The air of inevitability, which is why a lot of uh, candidates launch their campaigns early, being the first is always sort of um, a sort of it's a jumpstart. Right. You get the most press. Um, He wants to keep people like Ron DeSantis out of the race who are taking away from his donor base. Right. He wants to put pressure on people to endorse him. Right. So being first, you put the pressure and try to get endorsements. That didn't really work. I read in Politico that he only had about 20 endorsements so far. Um, And these are some of these people, he actually helped them get reelected. One of them is Sarah Sanders, his former press secretary. She still hasn't endorsed him, right? And then um, there's also the donors trying to get and pressure the donors to stick with you rather than the others. Um, I think the issue is that Ron DeSantis is, for all intents and purposes, running it's a known thing. It's all a shadow campaign right now. The others don't really matter. But Trump surely wants them in. He wants Nikki Haley in the race. He wants Mike Pence in the race. He wants Mike Pompeo. He wants Rick Scott. He wants all of those people in the race because they don't pull. All they do is take shots at Ron DeSantis because they're afraid of Trump. And a big primary means he needs to he only needs to win a quarter of the votes, basically. And which are already pretty locked in for him. So he's like, Come in, Tim Scott. Come into this game and make this easier for me. And so, and I'm sure he wants to scare out real challengers like Ron DeSantis, which is why he's attacking him. And it's crazy. The polling shows that Trump is surging and Ron DeSantis is not. After months of Ron DeSantis actually polling ahead of Trump. But these things change, right? I wonder if the attacks on Ron DeSantis are actually working for Trump. I thought that they would turn people off. People thinking, you know, come on, you lost. I mean, electability really matters after not being in power for four years. And I thought that people might think, why is he attacking another Republican? We need to win. And electability would weigh more than anything else. But if if you look into the polls and you see them as correlated with the fact that he started to take on Ron DeSantis and Ron DeSantis is starting to drop, it may show that actually Trump voters may think that Ron DeSantis was supported by Trump and that he is like Trump. But now they're realizing that there is a rivalry and that they have to choose and they're choosing Trump
0: thought it was so funny the other day when Trump was attacking DeSantis for cutting entitlements, or at least, you know, wondering about cutting entitlements when he was in Congress. So now we have Donald Trump and Joe Biden running for president on the same plank. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. I will protect your Medicare and Social Security and those other people will not.
2: It's true. I mean, he was never a fiscal conservative. So it was sort of funny to see Mick Mulvaney, the head of the Tea Party, uh, sorry, the head of the House Freedom Caucus, be his uh, be his chief of staff when Mick Mulvaney was all about balancing the budget, the debt ceiling, and yet he's got you know a president who's one of the biggest spenders in history. So,
0: so when uh, Donald Trump's handlers finally let him out of Mar-a-Lago, how do you think his 2024 campaign looks different than 2020 or 2016?
2: Good question. I think it's going to be a lot of the same hits. I think he will start doing the big rallies. I think he will just attack the candidates. You know, we have already seen some new nicknames, Meatball Ron, uh, the Sanctimonious. I think it's going to be a lot of the same. I think he wants a fight. That's what everyone around him says, that he does better with the challenger. He doesn't have that right now. So, sure, it feels low energy. I could see it picking up. but. It really feels more and more when you see these new polls, Fox News, everyone, I mean, saying Trump is leading still significantly by, I think, 15 points in the Fox Fox News poll to Ron DeSantis. So I think we underestimate his resilience a little bit.
0: Semaphore reported this week that Fox News, speaking of which, which is dealing with its past support of Trump through the Dominion lawsuit, has issued Mm. what they call a soft ban on Trump from its airwaves. So DeSantis and Nikki Haley can get on Fox and do hits, but Trump cannot. Do you think that matters at
2: all? Um, I do. I think he knows he needs press. And I think he sees, and I know from, I actually wrote about this a while ago, that that Fox was really sort of ignoring Trump and that he was really happy to finally be back on the airwaves because of the, um, you know, the seizure of uh, documents at his Mar-a-Lago estate, like he was genuinely happy. And they were like, look, you need us now, Fox, right? They need the press. They do. And, uh, but I think at the same time, things change. I mean, uh, my my good former colleague, uh, my, sorry, my brilliant former colleague, Jack Schaefer at uh, Politico says, you know, Rupert Murdoch doesn't see red or blue. He sees green. And so if Trump is good for ratings, if Trump is the nominee, he will be on Fox News again. But for now, he's getting a bit of a shadow ban, you could say, on Fox, New York Post, other um, Murdoch properties. They've been trying to do this for a long time, though. This isn't anything new. There was a slight hiatus because of the um, seizure. But I don't even think he went on Fox then. He didn't want to, I think, at that point. He was feeling a little burned. Just always kind of amusing to see the Trump media game, because so much of it is a game in the media world with
0: him. It's a game for Trump, and it's also a game for Fox, right? Like this whole that both Mm. sides are making this incredible calculation, as we've been reading about this week. I'm always fascinated Mm. by a candidate like DeSantis, because lots of voters, including his potential supporters, may know him theoretically, but have never actually heard him speak. So what do you think Ron DeSantis is going to be like on the stump?
2: You know, that's a, good, that's a good point. I think they've heard him speak, but they've never really seen him debate or be under pressure. He definitely gives off the strongman vibes, right? Um, he's a bit shouty. He's muscular. He's, you know, shouting down on the local Florida press, making, you know, picking on the little guys, whatever you want to say. But is he entertaining? Unclear? Can he hold a crowd? Hmm? He doesn't really like one-on-one contact. We know that from everyone who's around him. He's not a big retail politician. And when he's on a debate stage with Donald Trump, how's he going to be? Is he going to come off strong when he's being attacked? I mean, Trump is going everywhere, right? He's already accused him of being a groomer, right? I mean, (laughs) I know that they're looking at his wife, Casey, and it's like, it's really hard when someone goes after your wife. You can't not defend your wife. Right. Look what happened to Ted Cruz. He looked like a weenie for not defending Heidi. Wait till those attacks come. Then we're really going to see how Ron DeSantis does. It's a it's a real question mark right now. Um, But there's certainly a lot of excitement and enthusiasm from from the donor base and actually from Trump's base. But I'm wondering, though, the more that Trump attacks him, will DeSantis have a hard time holding on to that base?
0: You've written really interestingly about what you call the bizarre choreography of the Republican nominating process, which is when do candidates who are not Trump and DeSantis announce their candidacies? If you're a Republican who wants to be president, what is the case for declaring right now?
2: Money. You want to be able to raise money, get donors in line. You want to use the news vacuum. You don't want to be like that was the reason that Nikki Haley announces in February. You don't want to be and also ran. She essentially was the first person to announce because Trump had long been saying he would announce, right? So she gets a at least, you know, a story about she's going to announce a story about the video, a story about this, the actual announcement coverage. It's good for her, right? It also tells people like donors and supporters that you're in it for real. And you're not you know, wobbling, you're not undecided, that you're, you're really going for it. Um, I don't think you, she came in with any inevitability, but I think for her, it worked. Mike Pompeo has got to announce soon for the fact that he needs to raise money. So momentum, Mike Pence, same. Now for people like Ron DeSantis could announce now, but he's governor. He doesn't really have to, right? Why jump in? He's already getting the press. He's on a book tour right now. He's kind of got the reverse issue where if he doesn't announce by June, people start to wonder is he really in it? Donors feel a little shaky. People question does he have what it takes to take on Trump? So the longer he waits post June, it's going to be a problem. He's already put it out there that he's thinking June. And then there's a whole other crop of candidates who are sort of they want to be president, they want to see if there's an opening for them, they want to be the dark horse that jumps in late summer into the fall. They think, let Ron DeSantis and Trump slug it out. Let them kill each other. They'll be, the others will look small next to them because they won't even be, you know, acknowledged on the debate stage. And then I'll jump in like a Rick Perry after the Iowa straw poll, who actually jumped in at the top of the, you know, polling at the top. You know, I'll be the dark horse, strong man who comes in there with the de- either the de- defeated or deflated Trump and DeSantis. It's what people will want, a unifier. That'll be my move. Now that requires a lot of money, which Glenn Youngkin has, and he's looking at this. Rick Scott has that too; he's looking at this plan. Chris Christie, not so much, but you know, thinks he has a shot at it. Chris Nunu, he's said openly, I won't jump in until late, um, late summer, maybe fall. Maybe because New Hampshire is his, you know, is his state. He can pull that off, right? He can. He can. He may not need to be working on the ground operation the same way that like a Chris Christie would. Or, you know, Rick Scott or Glenn Young can just buy their their ground operation and get on the ballot. So we'll see what happens. I mean, this seems to be the path that a lot want to take because they don't really want to face Trump. And I think that's the problem.
0: I'm always skeptical of any candidate who comes in and says, I need like two or three other things to happen <laughs> that don't involve me for me to be president, right? I need Trump and DeSantis to take each other out or damage each other so badly. And then I come in as the shiny new object, but it's not that crazy, I guess. And I, I guess Joe Biden was kind of weirdly a, a somebody who this worked for last time around, you know, and sort of, I will lose primaries and then I will start winning all the primaries, but okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? And I guess that's the story these, guys are telling themselves at this point anyway
2: right they're keeping their optionality as all you know or all governors do it's funny um i'm writing about this in puck but like with this new new it just feels like it's another big tease after he kept saying you know to everyone in washington i'll run for the senate i'll run for the senate he didn't and it was almost a year of teasing it and in the meantime you get a lot of press there's attention there's you know, it's new news on TV all the time talking about the New Hampshire model. And it's because he keeps it open that he might run for president. So there are some, there are, you know, um, advantageous reasons for doing this, right. For drawing it out. Um, He could also just position himself as a kingmaker in New Hampshire, like his father did and help after he helped George HW Bush um, win New Hampshire after losing in Iowa, basically. Um, And then he ended up being chief of staff. Now, Sununu in New Hampshire, it's every two terms. You have to be reelected to governor. He can just run again for governor. Or he can end up in a cabinet seat or in the White House as a, you know, a chief of staff like his dad did. There's really not as much to lose for him to dangle it like this. But I think a lot of people in Washington are skeptical after the last rodeo with uh, Sununu when he dangled it out there, got all the press. He was the golden boy. Mitch McConnell begging him to run for the Senate against Maggie Hassan, And he didn't. So I guess we'll see this time around.
0: You floated this idea in Puck the other day that every Republican will tell you they want to be president, but some of the candidates may functionally be running to be vice president or get a spot on the ticket. Who fits that bill?
2: I mean, I could see, I know Nikki Haley certainly is not, I think Nikki Haley isn't running for vice president in her mind, but she might be in some quiet corner. I think people like maybe Mike Pompeo tim scott for sure he won't even say how his policy differences are different than trump's like literally asked how are your policy differences different than donald Trump's, and he just could only compliment him to me that's someone who's running for a running mate position um or afraid to take on trump and trump has spoken pretty glowingly about tim scott i think he sees him as someone who can help him with the african-american electorate trump could use some help with suburban women i mean maybe nikki haley is the person for that um I think the dark horses aren't jumping in to be vice presidents. I think they're jumping in to see if there's an opening. But everyone who's an early entrant, I mean, with the exception of Mike Pence, who's already been a vice president, that's not going to happen again, right? To him, to me, his lane is kind of hard to see at all because he's so hated by um, Trump. But you know what? Things change. Things happen. Um, We'll see how it goes.
0: One thing you guys do on Puck so well is give us all a sense of the room. So let me ask you this, who do people in Washington think is going to be the Republican nominee?
2: Trump or DeSantis? But Democrats hope it's Trump rather than DeSantis. They say like Trump is our best, is our one of our best assets in terms of getting their votes out. They want it to be Trump. I think Republicans fear it will be Trump. Probably it might be Trump. The only other person I'm hearing is DeSantis. No one else is really taking anyone else too seriously, which might be a mistake, but only time will tell.
0: When you talk to other people in the press, what is the matchup Washington wants to cover, do you think, in 2024?
2: I don't think they want to cover Trump anymore. I think having I, I covered Trump myself as a White House correspondent for ABC and Politico. And I think when you see it up front and up close and you know the, the stories, I think you see the chaos coming again. I'm hesitant to say, but I get the feeling that there's Trump fatigue among the White House press corps. I mean, I think there's Trump fatigue among the press corps, but I don't think it will be any better with DeSantis. In fact, I think he'll bully the press as well.
0: Or like, avoid them entirely, as we've been reading.
2: Yeah, or kick them out and do the things that Trump never did. Because remember, Trump always still loved, that's the weird thing about it, Trump still loved the press. And he still kept us close because he liked it. In fact, he basically got rid of his press secretaries towards the end and just did his own briefings, essentially. Uh, I don't know that DeSantis is going to be like that. I think it will be actually worse for the press. I don't think he has that addiction to it the way that Trump does. So I don't know. I mean, listen, I can only say these aren't really the conversations we have in uh, bars. I think everyone's (laughs) still just sort of like, I feel like we're still covering Trump. That's the other thing. It hasn't really stopped. but.
0: Let me ask you about the other side of the aisle. Last month, Politico had a story that asked, are we absolutely sure Joe Biden is running for re-election? So let me put that question to you. Are we sure Biden's running?
2: I believe that he is running based on what everything I've heard from sources, White House, et cetera. His wife, Jill Biden, Jill Biden has said that. Um, She was one of the big deciders. I have every reason to believe it. When I saw that political article and all the bylines on it i thought to myself is the white house floating this right because we've all been writing about it for months he's been on the fence he's you know but then recently they've said no he's running he's running he's running and i thought oh maybe they're floating it but then when i checked in my sources said they they're not floating it they're just it seems like it's a bit late to the party in some ways like this has been the great deliberation um for so long but who knows with Joe Biden, right? Like in the end, he decided not to run in twenty sixteen, right? He barely ran in 20, 20, uh, 20, Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe they just want to stop the questions, keep the posture, and maybe there is some, maybe there is something more to that political story. But from like official sources, he's still running, and I just don't think Jill would go out there and say he was running if she if he wasn't. And she was like sort of indignant about it in the same way.
0: Mm -hmm. We're supposed to get the official answer in April. So what we're just seeing is a normal, slow, very Biden-y timetable, which we see with anything he does as president.
2: Exactly. But again, like, you know, someone could clip this in a month and say, Tara Palmeri said he was running. These are, this is the information I'm getting from my sources, but I can tell you that the guy has been on the fence, the guy, the president has been on the fence for a very long time. And so, and it's not crazy. I mean, he's 80, he's going to be 81 years old when he runs. So it's not out there. It's not that, you know, inconceivable. So we'll see what happens.
0: You interviewed one of Kamala Harris's advisors the other day for a story. Yes. Where does she stand in Biden world? right now
2: she's the running mate when when biden runs for reelection. that's for sure um i just think that there's always been a question about her strength on the ticket um and what she brings now that you know her polling is lower than biden's karen says well karen is is her advisors as well you know that that reflects the administration more than it reflects her but for some reason like kamala harris is under a lot of scrutiny because her boss is one of the oldest You know, presidents of all time to run for re-election, so people are looking at the ticket and thinking she's actually more at the top of the ticket because he may not live out his whole term. There's a lot more scrutiny on her. Also, she's a historic first black woman um, vice president. There's going to be you know implicit racism and sexism, but I think there's a real feeling like she hasn't stepped up to the plate and that she can't be treated. And I think her her team would say she can't be treated like any vice president. You can't just give her immigration, which is like a terrible you know policy portfolio that and then throw her out to Lester Holt and have her bomb in interviews because she's really more tied to the top of the ticket. So you should be taking some care of her. And that was Karen's point was basically that like, have the West Wing and everyone promoting her and making her front and center to strengthen the ticket. Think about it that way. Put more resources towards Kamala. It's good for Joe Biden. And don't worry about overshadowing, which is always the thing that vice presidents are fearful of. even though Joe Biden did it a few times with You know, Obama like announcing the reversal on gay marriage. But, you know, they're thinking, hey, this is who you've got. And there's no way that they would ever take her from the ticket, even though it's like the long running talk in Washington is like, why not get rid of Kamala? It's like, do you want to literally offend all of the African American voters that helped, you know, Joe Biden cross the finish line? No, that is a huge part of the Democratic base. And that's what Karen says pretty explicitly.
0: We do this every four years with the, should they replace, should the president replace the vice president on the ticket?
2: Yeah, because vice presidents offer an electoral advantage, right? That's why you pick them. Biden was the elder statesman to Obama's young neophyte, like cool energy. Um, You know, Cheney was the dark mastermind (laughs) to, uh, and also a senator to, you know, George Bush's kind of grab a beer casualness. Um, Mike Pence was the conservative alter ego and evangelical to Trump's questionable morals and, you know, background as as a Democrat. So, you know, you add these people for a reason and then you think, okay, is there someone better out there for me for the next time around? You know, it's just a natural thing. Um, I don't think there's anything new about it, but it does feel like there have been times when Kamala has been set up to Kamala Harris has there it does feel like there have been times that Kamala Harris has been set up um to be out there in the forefront, take on the big issues, and she has not and she's fallen short and it's been a bigger story and it's made her probably more cautious and that is something that people say about her. So we'll see what happens. Perhaps you know the, they they sent her to the Munich Security Council and that was a success for the administration. They'll probably put her out there more and sh- and use more resources towards her to, to elevate her because i think it does really help the whole ticket a
0: couple questions about your career before we let you go you've covered a bunch of things including europe before coming full-time to politics american politics why politics
2: oh gosh i think i'm really fascinated by people who are striving for power i'm fascinated by the strategic decisions they make their personalities they're the way that they make partnerships, the ambitions. I'm just fascinated by powerful people and what drives them. And I think being in Europe, I, um, you know, I covered European politics, but it's still people. I've always been more interested, I guess, in the politics, more than the policy per se. And I, you know, policy is influenced by personnel in politics. Absolutely. And people in power have, control over our lives right so there's value in all of that and understanding them and their psyche and their motivations and i think that's the thing that i've always sort of gravitated towards so if you were like i want you to cover the most powerful people in this industry i probably would handle it in the similar way to the way i cover politics but politics is just the most you know interesting personality based way of going about achieving more power
0: how is the way you write about politics for Puck different from the way you covered it for Politico, ABC News, or your other stops?
2: I think with um, ABC News, it was more um, headline-driven, it was more kind of news of the day, kind of stuff that everyone needs to get through their day and know what's happening. With Politico, it was it was more of an insider account, and the littler updates kind of mattered more um, because our readership was and is an insider crowd um and they have a level of sophistication that they bring with it so you could kind of speak to them in a way that's a little bit more sophisticated um because it's almost it's a trade publication essentially and Puck kind of has the combination of a trade publication in the sense that you can speak on a more sophisticated level to your audience added with the flair of a magazine and the ability to have a take and a voice and fun. It's more, and it's personal. For me, I go after the personality route, but I also want to give you nuggets and information you can't get elsewhere that are going to make you better at your job and be more in the know. And frankly, have something to talk about at a cocktail party. Uh, So it'll make you seem like you are a Washington insider if you're reading the best and the brightest. I hope you don't mind my plug.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You wrote a piece about uh, Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema the other day that had a very typical puck headline, cinema verite. Who is the funny puck headline writer?
2: That is John Kelly. He is a longtime editor of Vanity Fair and obviously a... um, Appreciates the New York tabloids. Um, I also came from the New York Post, so I throw in some of my own headlines from time to time. I will take credit for that. Um, <laughs> but he's he's also he kind of does it in a more literary way, which I really appreciate. He is uh, a literary genius that I'm very lucky to have him editing me. But yeah, that's John Kelly. All
0: right, last question. If you had to bet all your equity stake in Puck, the 2024 presidential candidates will be. <sighs> I'm going to, I'm going to write Kelly about this too, just to get this on the record
2: afterwards. Biden. And oh man, it's a hard one. I'm going to say Trump. Mm-hmm. I think
0: that's, what, I, think that's feel? I think that's where I'd be. I think that's the way I bet your equity stake in Puck too. If I had to pick.
2: yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, probably Biden, Trump. All right. Read Tara Palmieri's stories in Puck, where you will be informed for your next cocktail party or whatever insider pose you are taking at the moment. Tara, thanks so much for coming on the Press Box.
2: Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. That's the Press Box. I'm Brian Curtis. Production Magic, as always, by Erica Cervantes. David Shoemaker and I are back Monday. I'm working on a segment about the Oscars because we are getting close to Oscar time and there is a lot of Oscar media overlap. Ron DeSantis, speaking of presidential candidates, is also trying to create his own media. We'll talk about that and, of course, have more lukewarm takes about the media. See you soon.